Well, welcome everybody to the Tech Trailblazers Founders on Fire podcast. I'm here with Grace Waters from Codastra, one of our multiple winners from last year. Hello, Grace. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm looking forward to spending a bit of time sort of getting an update from you. Um, but first of all, congratulations. You guys picked up multiple awards, including yourself as runner up in the female CXO Tech Trailblazer and also in the Firestarter and developer sections of the awards. So congratulations on that. So it's been um, a, an interesting year, obviously, for everybody um, with the situation that we're facing. But tell us a little bit about yourself and about Cadastra. For sure, for sure. Um, of course. So as, as you mentioned, I am the co-founder of Codastra um, and we're an early stage startup offering the world's first microservice migration solution. Um, mm -hmm. In the in the smallest of nutshells, <laughs> Codastra uses um, sort of cutting edge AI driven code analytics to break down monolithic applications into, into microservices, providing developers essentially with everything they need to build robust, optimally designed microservices. Um, it's our mission really to make what is traditionally a very arduous time consuming process significantly quicker, easier and therefore cheaper. Um, so we are currently a two-man band. Um, we've been working on Codastra for about a year now, um, and that time has really flown. <laughs> um, my co-founder is, is the engineering brains behind the operation, um, whilst I'm much more of a sort of startup jillable trades, so I've been juggling everything else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I mean, my personal background, my career background is very much a mixed tapestry of various experiments. Um, I've been at various times a writer, a documentary maker, um, and now an entrepreneur. Um, but I spent most of my career working with a range of startups in, in very different sectors. Um, and I suppose how I came to be working with Codastra um, is, again, a kind of interesting synchronicity mix of events. Um, so one of my real passions um, is language or linguistics, um, and that's what I studied at university, um, sort of looking at the subtlety structures and psychology of language, whether or not that's kind of visual, verbal or, or other forms of language. So kind of the interesting thing about Codastra to me is the visual mapping of code that's part of the tool. Um, mm -hmm. And that was really interesting to me because um, to see code in that way kind of visually mapped out can completely transform how it can be experienced um, and how development teams and professionals can kind of interact with that. Um, code fundamentally is just a kind of symbolic language. Um, so there's a lot of fascinating ways that we can play around with how we interface with, with that and potentially completely disrupt the way we work with it. Fantastic. Fantastic. So that's me in, in again, a bit of a nutshell. <laughs> Great. So uh, tell us a little bit about um, what's been happening recently, because obviously, you know, the, the the awards um, recognized you back in December of 2020. What's been happening in Q1 of 2021? Yeah, I mean, again, for a start, I can't believe it's been three months. <laughs> um, time definitely moves very strangely in the lockdown continuum. Um, so really since winning, our main focus has been on internal product development. Um, mm -hmm. We've been making some changes to the product, um, experimenting with some new features and also working on rebranding. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so unfortunately, we realized that there is another company with the Codastra name, um, and there's been a little bit of confusion between us. So um, kind of my focus right now is 
is, is kind of rebranding, finding a new name and a new identity. Um, and we're also focusing on working on, sorry, on splitting Codastra up into a suite of different tools with more targeted outcomes, mm -hmm. um, rather than the sort of Swiss army knife it's been up until now. <laughs> um, the main flagship tool will still be microservice migration. Um, and in the next few months, we're hoping to have our free release up and running, um, most likely available for public code on GitHub. Oh, um, yeah, so that's really the main focus right now, um, alongside establishing our kind of case studies of larger companies who are wanting to sort of move their monolithic applications to microservices. Um, yeah, so that's that's kind of where we are right now. We spent the tail end of 2020 looking at investments, um, mm -hmm. but we've sort of, we've held back on that a bit moving forward. We're still not quite sure if that's the route we want to go down, if that's the route we want to go down right now. Um, it's always been very important to both myself and my co-founder that we can maintain, I suppose, creative control <laughs> of mm. our vision and what we want Codastra to be. Um, but yeah, so that's something we might come back to a bit further down the line. Great, because obviously we, um, you were introduced to the Tech Trailblazers uh, when you were on the pre-accelerated program Fast Forward. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about your experiences there as well. And thanks also to the, the team there for kind of introducing us to some of their cohort, including yourselves. Yeah, um, yeah, Fast Forward was a really, was a really great experience for us. We, um, we, we were on their June 2020 program. Um, and back then we were really quite early on in the process. So it was incredibly valuable to have um, a team of mentors and experts to kind of bounce ideas off of and get initial feedback. Um, again, especially in the pandemic situation where sort of face-to-face -face networking events were off the cards. Mm. Um, that, was, that was a really valuable experience um, and a kind of safe space for us to iterate with our ideas and kind of experiment with various messaging points. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, definitely an experience, a program I would recommend to early stage tech startups. Mm. Great. So what did you, would you say was one of the most important things that you learned in that 10 week program? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I suppose the interesting thing about the program is it's it's a cohort program, so you're so you're um, you're going along along on it with with other startups who are kind of maybe a bit further along or or less far along, and you hear everyone else's pitches and presentations all the time, and it really really hammers home um, the really really simple things like making sure that you are able to communicate your products like what it is and why it's valuable um, and why it's different. Um, and if you can't do that, then um, you really need to go back to the drawing board. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, for us, we, we thought we were pretty good at it. <laughs> and then you realize over time that it's a constantly evolving um, process to like really get those messages across clearly and to communicate value clearly. So I think that was probably just um, a very valuable lesson in, I suppose, pitching. Mm. Mm, which obviously you're doing. So you mentioned also that you're working with some, some large companies with, you know, moving their monolithic applications into microservices. Are you able to say anything about that at all at the moment? I don't know if you have any referenceable customers that you can talk about. No, I know it's early stage. Unfortunately, not really. Um, I suppose what I can say is that we've worked with, with some, some developers during our beta tests who have worked at some pretty big uh, like I suppose like national brands across the country and the feedback has been has been really great and there's 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 a lot of 
um, interest for the microservice function. But I think, again, why I mentioned we've gone back to the drawing board a little bit with narrowing the focus down um, is to make sure that the microservice element is a kind of self-contained unit rather than getting mm. mixed up with our code visualization, our code analytics. Um, yeah, so, but more, there's more on that to come. We'll revisit that. <laughs> No, definitely. I'm sure there will be opportunities in the future to talk more openly about some of the customers that you're picking up in the, the stage of your journey. So you've talked a little bit about, um, you know, moving away from the Swiss Army knife approach that you've had and kind of creating sort of a portfolio of products, which people can then, I, I guess, choose what is the best fit for them at any particular time. And also a little bit of a challenge with the name. Um, with that so I guess watch this space to find out what Codastra becomes um so is there anything that you can share about what you've learned so far I mean obviously Codastra is very very young at the moment and it's still you know forming and what what would you say have been your valuable lessons so far that's a great question um I think tying very much into this into this Swiss army knife um, dilemma that we've been going through. Um, one of the biggest lessons that we've had is is sort of about how how you work with feedback. Because um, mm. part of the reason we've we reached this Swiss Army knife um, uh, situation, um, this feature creep situation, is sort of demoing the tool we had um, mm. and people being like, "Oh, this is great, but what if you could do this?" Um, and then we add that in, and then. If you show if you show a tool to a hundred people, you'll get a hundred different um, insights about what is interesting and what could be done with it. Mm. Um, so for us, um, I think we 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 wasted quite a I won't say wasted. We spent a lot of time um, kind of listening to people, what they wanted, building it into the tool, um, but sometimes losing sight of what the initial purpose of the tool was, which for Codastra was very much microservices. Mm. Um, but then at the same time, we had very, very cool technology like the, like the code mapping, um, the kind of the new approach to code analytics. And um, we reached the point where we lumped it all into one thing. Um, and that was a kind of difficult thing to push uphill, mm. um, which is why we're trying to break it down now into probably a more modular approach. So what, what are the, the key products that will be the separate standalone offerings? Has that been finalized yet? Yeah, so fundamentally, the, the main flagship tool will still be microservice migration. Um, that will take as an input a large application. Um, and then Codastral provides, identifies, I suppose, what, we, what we're calling ideal microservice candidates, kind of, mm. that we found from analyzing your code base. Um, and then there's also an option for users to identify their own microservices, build their own microservices according to different business logic or functionality that they want to draw out. Mm -hmm. And then you get what I like to call the flat pack, the IKEA flat pack of microservices, so that then developers can put it together themselves with all the various interdependencies taken care of. Um, and then beyond that, we've got our code mapping functionality that I think we're going to, the plan currently is to put that into more of a code audit, code quality tool. Um, so looking very much at the same types of metrics that other code quality tools look at. Um, so code quality, technical debt, maintainability, those sorts of things, but through a completely visually driven interface 
So you can see in, in a sort of heat map where you have areas of high complexity or low complexity. Um, so, so, so to kind of work with code that way. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've also got our other kind of sister project, Fortify, um, mm -hmm. which is our cybersecurity tool, um, which fundamentally is driven by the same kind of code analytics that we're using. Um, so we're also trying to work out maybe if we bring everything under that one central umbrella. Um, so that's how we're imagining it right now as a kind of three-pronged, mm. um, as a three-pronged enterprise, but that again is still in development. Mm. Yeah. And what's your sort of time scale for finalizing that at the moment? Have you imagined yeah, I mean, where that will, will take you when you'll be able to say, right, that's it. This is exactly what we're offering. Uh, I mean, in that sense, not so much. I think the timeline that we have right now is really to focus on just getting Codastra, the microservice tool out there. And mm -hmm. that'll be the focus. And then we'll sort of look at launching those other modules um, and trying to work out actually which of them can be launched in the first instance as a free tool with a kind mm -hmm. of upsell pre premium model. Um, yeah. So you've mentioned getting um, Cadastra onto GitHub. What's your timeline for that? Have you thought about when it's people are actually going to be able to, to start playing around with it really? Yeah, I mean, I defer you to my engineer. <laughs> Aha, okay. Um, um, it's, last it's, that, is, that is the one thing beyond my control, yeah. um, the engineering timeline. We're hoping it will be in the next few months. Um, okay. we're, both, we're both tied up still with, with other work projects. So it's um, until we either cross that investment threshold or we start monetizing, it's still, it's still unfortunately, a divided, a divided effort. Mm. So we're looking hopefully summer 2021. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, brilliant. And uh, how valuable have you found getting recognition in an international awards program like the Tech Trailblazers been for you? Oh, definitely, definitely hugely, hugely valuable. I think um, more than anything else, it's been really helpful for us in validating that what we're working on has value, that we're on the right track with what we're doing. Um, as an early stage startup, it's so easy to get caught up in an echo chamber of your own thoughts about the market and about your consumers. Um, so that external kind of validation is really important. Um, it's also been a really big selling point when we've spoken with investors or potential partners or, or pilot customers. Um, winning an award really helps prove again that we have a product that stands out and that resonates with people in the industry. Mm. Brilliant. Well, that's what it's all about, recognition in that way, um, to help open doors and, yeah, allow you to step oh, yeah, through. Exactly. Great. So we've talked a lot about the future, um, you know, things are happening for you guys, decisions on whether there will be investment made into the, the company or whether you will be looking at organic growth. Um, anything else that you'd like to share with our Founders on Fire podcast listeners oh, I mean, learned and you think would be valuable particularly you know under the circumstances the pandemic's been quite challenging well very challenging for a lot of people and in different ways and as an entrepreneur I'm sure it's brought up perhaps opportunities and also challenges along the way yeah I mean I suppose compared to a lot of businesses um ours is is an entire it's entirely technology so um we've not suffered too greatly from the pandemic situation in that sense. 
Um, but I suppose as best I understand it, and I'm not an expert, but the the kind of the gut feel has been that there has been a big dip in investment in startup mm-hmm. investment in the past year, um, which perhaps you probably know better than, than I do. Um, it seems that investors have been focusing more on the existing ventures in their portfolios rather than making new investments in newcomers. Mm. Um, so whether or not that's something that we've come up against, that you know that might potentially have been a problem, and it might be a problem for other newcomers. Um, but at the same time, I've seen some data su- to suggest that the investment scene is picking up in 2021. Mm. Um, I very much come from a bootstrapping school of entrepreneurship. That's mm. kind of where. I cut my teeth. Um, so yeah, so more of an approach where you try to grow organically and you build a company incrementally with the early sales that come in. Mm. Um, I suppose you have the benefit of that being a more de-risked approach, de-risked mm. approach, um, and like where you, you can limit costs as far as possible. And you also have a lot of time to get to know your market and adapt to feedback as it comes in. Mm. Um, but of course, this potentially comes at the expense of rapid growth and scaling if that's what you're after. I suppose in, in some sense, um, this past year has been an interesting kind of um, experience for me to sit back and observe kind of the, the changes that are happening in startup culture. If we're, if we're going back to that bootstrapping model, which I think was the kind of prime culture a few years ago, and then the kind of primacy of VC kind of came through. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's I think that's definitely an interesting potentially wider cultural change that will happen in the startup space um i think other than that quite it's been it's been interesting to see over the past year which companies have survived or even thrived um and then which 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 ones have not at all Mm. Um, and it seems that adaptation or adaptability is a really important thing for businesses to embrace right now um amidst the, the current economic climate but also the wider shifts that are happening um in the world in light of the pandemic the way kind of consumer behavior is changing businesses are changing um infrastructure is changing um so yeah so that's that's been quite interesting to to observe and obviously some companies are a lot better positioned to adapt to those changes Mm -hmm. than others um so moving forward it looks like flexibility will be key um but also i think at the same time there's a lot of exciting opportunities for companies to build something um, for, for this transformed world, um, looking at the new challenges that have come up, but also um, maybe new markets that emerge. I suppose companies like Hopin and Zoom have done really, really well. Um, and whether or not there are other avenues that can open up. I think I read something early on in the pandemic about um, that actually recessions tend to be really great for startups. Um, historically, if you look at it, that's where a lot of great um, businesses kind of came out or I think the social media initial social media golden age was was during the 2008 pandemic uh, pandemic sorry <laughs> recession um, so yeah so it's it's a tough one because the world is definitely in flux and mm. it's been hugely difficult but maybe fingers crossed as we're coming out of it there are a lot of exciting avenues as well it's certainly very different from when we would have spoken over a year ago with regards to these things so yeah I mean back then I (laughs) I don't think we really knew how long a term it was going to be absolutely absolutely anything else that you'd like to share before we close off the podcast 
and our no I, I think that's everything as always we're very keen to hear from people who are interested in what we're doing um yeah. interested in working with us um or have any questions but mm. other than that um watch this space <laughs> fantastic and thank you so much for joining me grace and congratulations again on your recognition thank you your hat trick in fact yeah um, amazing we were so yeah. happy with that <laughs> great achievement great achievement so well done to you and your co-founder um and thanks again for joining us and thank you everyone for listening and that was grace waters who's the co-founder of Cadastra, one of our winners from 2020. And if you'd like to find out more, do visit the techtrailblazers.com website, follow us on Twitter at techtrailblaze, or find us on LinkedIn. Thank you very much. <laughs>